Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the NeuroQueering Podcast. I'm Pasha Marlowe, and I'm here today with guest Lou Sodi, who is the owner and coach of Unconditional ADHD Coaching and also one of the phenomenal coaches at NeuroQueer.com. Org, a wonderful neuroqueer uh, community. So excited to have you here today with us, Lou. Hi. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Pasha. Absolutely. I have been admiring your work for a while and always enjoy our conversations. So and thank you. Thank you. So we're going to start with just a fun random question uh, okay. that I woke up just really wanting to know <laughs> if you could create your just dream ice cream sundae, making it however you would want to make it with whatever flavors, toppings, ingredients, what would that look like? The dream ice cream sundae, I think would be like every, every peanut butter flavor Ooh, available. Yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like the moose tracks, ice cream and peanut butter cups and peanut butter like can we just freeze peanut butter yeah oh that sounds so good now I kind of want to add that to mine I woke up with this craving for like half pumpkin half cinnamon ice cream made with coconut milk and then hot hot apple topping and then coconut whipped cream I was like I have to have that and then if I can't find it I'm going to make it (laughs) yeah that sounds really good but now I'm going to put peanut butter on it. Yeah. That'd be great. I literally have peanut butter every day. It makes me happy. I think I do too. I've been making flourless peanut butter cookies. It's been like my comfort food for like two months. (laughs) All right. Are you a crunchy or a smooth? Smooth. Yeah. Smooth. Not crazy about the crunch. I will, I'll tolerate the crunch, but I prefer the smooth. I'm a crunchy, which is interesting because I have so many texture, like sensory issues with food, but I can do the crunchy. So to each their own. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I think I can tolerate anything to eat a cookie. (laughs) Whatever gets gets a cookie down, you'll tolerate. That's great. That's great. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Do you find when you're talking to your uh, clients, your ADHD clients, that sensory issues come up a lot in conversation? Yes. I find it comes up very often. And I, I think it's something that we don't like, we tend to not realize, or we tend to just not hold enough space for is like our sensory experiences and how we experience our body and our nervous system differently from neurotypical people. And I think, um, like when I first went to ADHD coaching, um, when I, when I was like the client and not the coach, mm-hmm. um, that never even came up in our sessions and I had a wonderful coach and I'm not, you know, throwing that person under the bus, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's something that enough coaches spend time on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think when I first started to learn about, uh, neurodiversity and ADHD and autism, I heard about sensory issues so much more in the autism, uh, uh realm. Yeah. And, and the more I learned about ADHD and the more I realized my own ADHD and sensory issues that that they're intertwined. And the other day, I I haven't even shared this yet, but uh, over Thanksgiving break, I went flying and I'm a very nervous flyer. Yeah. Um, And normally I 
pre-board due to uh, my son's go figure peanut butter allergy. And they oh. used to on Southwest let you pre-board wipe down the seats because of peanut dust. But now huh. planes don't offer peanuts. Most yeah. people aren't bringing peanut butter stuff on planes. So they've done away with that. You can't pre-board. And I had a panic attack because that was my like my because the real reason, in all honesty, that I needed to pre-board was because I'm so anxious and I need to set things up and I and I need a certain like seat. I need to be close to the bathroom. I need to be near a window because of a lot of my own sensory issues and anxiety issues. So here's the good news for everybody listening that actually applies to all the listeners is that you can go to the gate prior to the flight and say, due to disability, you need to pre-board. And that's literally all you have to say. You don't have to say, Everything I ended up saying, which is because of my ADHD and autism and my sensory issues, I need a lot of time to, you know, get myself settled. Uh, I, I get very nervous. I'm going to have a panic attack. I need to be close to the bathroom. They're like, okay, okay, you can just pre-board. <laughs> yeah. So the only thing they'll ask is, do you need assistance uh, walking down the ramp? Which I did not. And and that was that. And I was proud of myself for asking for the accommodation I needed. And I had never really honestly said out loud that I, due to a disability, I need accommodations at the airport. And, uh, it was such a more pleasant flight. Uh, and I felt, I felt good about it. I just wanted to share that before I forgot with with listeners. Have you ever, uh, with your own ADHD, um, asked for accommodations in, in public? Um, no, but you, you reminded me of something that I keep seeing this meme recently. Um, that's, uh, it's like making fun of people who like stand up immediately once the plane, you know, roll rolls in and comes to a stop. And it's like, don't be that person that stands up immediately, like, because you're not going to get off the plane first anyway. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever been like hyperactive and trapped in an airplane seat, but, I'm but you, would, you would not find this meme funny. If that was you. Um, and so I, I've realized that like, that's my accommodation is like, as soon as I am like allowed to stand up immediately, like standing up on there. So I'm that person. That yes. Yes. Agreed. Up. Yeah. Because um, we can feel very yeah. closed in and stuck. Yeah. And and if I could open the window, I would, I mean, like, I, yes. I, I don't like being enclosed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of sensation going on there, uh, emotionally and physically. So yeah, I'm the standard too. So yeah, we'll wave to each other next time yeah. we're the first one standing. <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's, a, I think, and interesting, because this does blend into what you and I are going to talk about today, which includes imposter syndrome. But the first thing that came to my mind is, um, am I, am I disabled enough to ask for this accommodation? Am I ADHD enough or autistic enough, uh, to need this help? And there was a, probably four or five people in wheelchairs, uh, who went on ahead of me, but mm-hmm. I was in the line with people with wheelchairs, my son and I, uh, cause he, since he's a child, he boarded with me and we were the only ones who were able to walk down the ramp. And I had that moment of you know, pure doubt and embarrassment of like, what are other people thinking? Like, who is she to pre-board? What does she need to pre-board for? And the internal struggle I had, uh, which felt like imposter syndrome, like I wanted to sign like my disability is an internal and I have anxiety and sensory issues, but I, I felt like, why do I need to, why do I, why does it matter so much? What other people are, are thinking. I knew in myself that this was an accommodation that would allow me to feel safe on the plane. Um, but that reminded me of imposter syndrome and how we often deny our own needs because we feel like we're not fill in the blank enough. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, that's something that I I experience too, and that I know many of my clients do is that feeling of like, am I ADHD enough? Am I neurodivergent enough to take up space here? Um yeah. I don't know why I drew a blank after that. That's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It happens. It happens often in yeah. coaching. I've seen that. I've it, yeah. the trauma as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll ask you about the trauma triggers in, in a group coaching, for instance. And um, so often, I don't know if you notice this as well. Somebody will say, I mean, I have trauma, but it's not like real trauma or big trauma. Yeah. It's not like everyone mm-hmm. else's trauma. So I don't really even want to call it trauma. And then you hear their story. You're like, oh, that that's trauma. That's yes. definitely trauma. Yeah. And it's like a, a feeling of not feeling worthy of the help or the accommodation or support. Um, what, what do you think it is when people feel like they're not ADHD or disabled <sighs> enough or whatever? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's sort of a mix of us being like, of us being socialized to just push through things. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter how bad it is. You, you show up for work. You show up with a smile on your face. You have the some, sometimes, depending on how your life is set up, like you do have to show up in some way, no matter what. Like if you have children or you're a caregiver for anybody, you you can't just do nothing. Yeah. Um, but then, just the way that we are taught under capitalism to like show up for work and show up in at school, mm. and to show up the way that you are expected to in a way that does not inconvenience other people with your with your grief or your anger or your illness. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of stim- stimming. Like, is stimming a problem, yes. or is it because other it makes other people uncomfortable? Yeah, just because it, yeah, it looks it looks weird to other people. Right. So, it is not if if you're not physically harming yourself, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And one of the things I really appreciate in uh, the the neuroqueer community, and and I'm sure in your uh, unconditional ADHD coaching, is this openness to um, obviously be authentic, be your be yourself. But uh, like this is a space where you can really let go and stim away. And like it's it's so interesting that when I'm given the permission. Um, I realize how much I'm holding in, like how much I'm masking or, or just stiffening up and not allowing my body to move as it wants to move. Um, and, and in those spaces, maybe I, I realize how, how much, um, anxiety or excitement that Mm -hmm. I don't let out that I don't really express. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, as a kid, I was always, I remember often being in trouble for, for being like, just, I thought I was just enthusiastic. I was just very excited yeah, yeah. <laughs> about, about everything. Um, but I remember always being told like to sit still and calm down and, um, yeah, yeah and just not express that, I guess. And I, and what is interesting is that it's sort of become like, cheerfulness has sort of become like a mask for me Mm. and I think my like my baseline mood is usually pretty cheerful like when all when all the meds are working and things are mostly okay pretty cheerful um but I've noticed too that like if I am in a in a situation where where I'm uncomfortable and I'm like oh gotta put the cheerful on because that's what everybody's expecting and that's how it like I know that I can navigate things safely with that so I use it to navigate things safely yeah yeah. 
you know, it's interesting and freeing what you just said. And it's maybe something I didn't even realize uh, because I'm in the public eye invisible in my online work and social media and podcasting that there's this desire to be cheerful or Mm -hmm. excitable. Um, But as soon as some of these platforms are, you know, put, put away and the laptop closes um, not only am I tired, but I think, I wonder if my natural state is kind of sad or, or even lazy, (laughs) but like, like not lazy in the ADHD sense. Like, like I, maybe I really like am more uh, sedentary than I'm allowing myself to let on to or, or heavy and serious than I allow myself to, um, to be. And so, yeah, then I'm picturing doing a podcast from my like sloth state. And I was like, it probably wouldn't be fun to listen to it all, but it would be, but some days it would be true, you know, to just be sad and grieve uh, some of the heavy things that are going on in the world and just come from that place. Yeah. 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 And in the past, in the past couple of weeks, um, so 10, it's been 10 days since the, the shooting here in my city at club Q. Yes. You're from Um, Colorado Springs. Yes. Yeah based in Colorado Springs. And I have noticed myself um, a little bit with everybody, but really, really when I'm talking to my clients, because I've still been working, um, really trying to hold on to like that mask. I haven't been like fake cheerful, Mm -hmm. but um, just like a mask of normalcy, Mm -hmm. which I think like I'm, I'm operating in a professional setting and that's mostly appropriate. Um, but I have caught myself a few times realizing like, like my clients are, are queer and neurodivergent and are some, something that affects one of us affects all of us, affects all of us in the queer community. And so I let myself dial it down like a little bit, not so much that I was like, okay, now your turn to help me, but like Mm -hmm. dial it down. So I'm like, that nobody has an expectation of me, like being like like a Stepford coach. If, right. If that's not what's happening and that's okay. And I think leading with that vulnerability is beautiful. You know, that you, that you show them that it's okay to be angry or grieving. Yeah. Uh, fearful. Yeah. That that's such a human response. And do you have clients in Colorado Springs or most of your clients uh, elsewhere? Um, online? All, all of my clients right now are elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Just all, all over the United States sometimes mm-hmm. all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I've had, I've had one client in Colorado Springs, but it was during COVID lockdowns. So we still mm-hmm. worked remotely. We still didn't meet in person. Okay. Um, yeah. The day I do will be very exciting and we'll go, we'll go wherever, wherever the client wants to go <laughs> get me out of the yeah. house. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine after the club Q um, shooting that there might be more need for uh the queer community to reach out to local therapists and coaches. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. And the response, the response here has been beautiful. Like nothing I've ever seen. There are like therapists and religious and faith leaders and community organizers. um, And the, you know, the, just the moms and dads who come out and just offer like straight moms and dads 
Yeah. Just, just showing up and giving hugs and, you know, bringing, bringing snacks, (laughs) the things we need from parents that we in the queer community don't always get or have. And so, yeah, yeah, so the, the need is absolutely there and, um, yeah, and being a part of a giving and receiving of that is, um, I don't even have words. And yet the point of your show is, is words and I don't have to. It's okay. It's also <laughs> feelings and truth. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's beyond words, uh, this, that experience perhaps and related to imposter syndrome. It's also when you said it's we're, if we're in the community, if it happens to one of us, it happens to all of us. And again, yeah. it's true. For, I agree with a neurodivergent community and the queer community. And, uh, you know, I think people in the community were hurting no matter where they were and, and really feeling for, um, the Colorado Springs community in particular. Um, and yet it's so normal that, that, that we too might feel grief, fear, anger, even though it seems far away. <laughs> and, where the imposter syndrome comes in is I was talking to my uh, doctor and we were talking about medication and I was, I take medication for ADHD, but every once in a while, when I'm triggered in my trauma uh, after incidences, such as that shooting, uh, I require some anxiety medication, this very short term anxiety medication. And uh, the last time I asked for it was after a school shooting in Texas. And it affected me so much. I was anxious to send my kid to school here in Maine. And she denied me of that because she said it's so far away. It shouldn't really bother me. Same thing happened this week when I talked to her about, or last week when I talked to her about the club Q incident and as a member of the queer community, it, it made me very anxious. It was making me anxious. And she, and she said, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not happening to you, you know, and I'm getting a new doctor, by the way, for everyone who's out there going, get a new doctor. Yes. I am getting a new doctor, but it, it brought back that imposter syndrome again. Like, you know, am I, am I traumatized enough to ask for medication? And it's so interesting how we have to constantly in this community advocate for ourselves and like a, a constant, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I want to cough. constant advocation for ourselves. Okay. You talk. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm really sorry you experienced that, but yeah, that that's a shitty doctor and I'm glad you're getting a new doctor. So yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I don't like uh, providers. I was really like providers of any kind. Just all providers. And I don't like all, everybody, all of us, anybody. Need to stop putting shoulds on things. Well, the medical community is just it's it's such a toxic community and so much is pathologized. It's like mm-hmm. you know, we pathologize our our ADHD, our path we our our you know, our queerness can be pathologized depending on the provider we see. Um, but I've been surprised time and time again as to how challenging it is to ask for what I think should be simple accommodations. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I don't think there's, there's not such a thing as like traumatized enough or affected yeah. enough to, to require care or to require some, some kind of strategy be put in place to support you. Um, 
No. And I, and people who say that I think are like fundamentally misunderstanding how trauma triggers work. Mm -hmm. So something, something happened to, to you or to me a long time ago happened physically to us. Like anything that happens now triggers our reaction to that. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be something happening to us again. It can be hearing it, seeing it, hearing about it, holding space for other people. Yeah. Can in some contexts be triggering for us. Um, and yeah, I think for medical providers or anybody to say it's it's not happening to you. The point is that something did and and gets like it's like you're poking at it. I just realized you can't see my finger in the <laughs> that you're poking. <laughs> you're poking under yes. Um yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure you hear this often in your work, people saying, I'm so glad to talk to somebody who understands ADHD because we might not receive that same uh, care and or awareness from our doctors or even our therapists or psychiatrists or teachers like that often going to an ADHD coach is the first time somebody finally feels seen and heard. Do you you hear that from your clients often? I Yes, I hear that very often. Um, and yeah, many of my clients express like just an immense sense of relief or a catharsis or all sorts of feelings of just finally, finally talking to somebody who who validates what they're feeling and then who they know um, has experienced many of the same things. And it's not that we all have to experience like the, we all experience our brains differently even neurodivergent people all like there's 8 billion ways to have a brain and for a brain to work. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just to talk to somebody who has like experienced something close enough. Yeah. And I think even within, within like neurodivergent communities, there's, we experience that imposter syndrome, right? Because just realizing that other people were like, I found my people. And I, we still haven't experienced the exact same things. We still don't have, you know, the same, the same sensory experiences or the same, um, like we have different challenges around emotional regulation. Yeah. And so we, what do you think of that? Like, yeah, in my experience, I see a lot of imposter syndrome within our own communities. What about you? I do too. Uh, in, in both in both communities, as 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 I was saying, somebody who doesn't feel maybe traumatized enough or ADHD or autistic enough to yeah. fit into a space or to come to even a group, they'll say, "I don't, I I won't belong in the group," you know, because I'm I'm still here, like I'm just a little bit autistic, you know. And I think, okay, you can't be a little bit pregnant, and you're not gonna be a little bit autistic. Like you're in, you're good. Mm-hmm. And I I really value self diagnoses too, especially. Yes. In midlife, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you agree uh, because that's the other thing I hear a lot regarding imposter syndrome. Like, I don't have a diagnosis, a formal diagnosis. I don't have a doctor's note. I don't, you know, can I still belong to this group? I resonate with everything you're saying. I go down the list of a uh, hundred symptoms mm-hmm. and I have them all, but I'm not really sure if I'm neurodivergent enough to be in this group. <laughs> Do you get that as well? Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I do. I encounter, yeah, a lot of self-diagnosed people. Um, And then also people who have been, who have gone through like the whole, the whole stressful mess of getting tested and then being told like, you're not, you're not ADHD or autistic. You're, you're, you're just on the cusp, but not. And I'm like, if you, 
perceive yourself as experiencing all of the same things, like the little, like, like 99 out of a hundred points. Yeah. Please. You are welcome here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you create that space as well. Um, because I think there's a bit of controversy in the field as to whether or not self-diagnosis is, is useful. And and certainly I, I'm on TikTok a lot uh, where there is actually a lot of really great education and support uh, for neurodivergent and queer community, really. And, uh, and there's a lot of, you know, negativity and controversy around people watching a TikTok video and saying, oh, I must be autistic because I relate to that one minute. So I, I can see how, how the, um, misperception is there, but if you're on TikTok and you're watching and you're following and it's showing up in your algorithm time and time again, relatable material about neurodivergent minds and it, and it resonates with you, then, you know, explore a a coach or a space or a community like the neuroqueer community and, and make some friends and have some conversations and you'll be, you'll be welcomed. I mean, I think our communities, both of them, thank goodness are, are so very welcoming. And, um, and really we honor uh, each person's individual experience and we honor each person's intuition for knowing their body and mind best more than a DSM uh, diagnosis or a doctor even. Yeah, absolutely. And and honestly, even if even if someone is not neurodivergent, if the way that they experience their executive function, the way that their brain works, it, if that is interfering with their work and running their household and their relationships, if they experience like sensory overwhelm or they experience burnout, like I don't you you don't have to fit like every criteria. Exactly. Like if something is challenging or different for you, it is. And we, we don't have to like, we don't have to diagnose or pathologize anything about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Just support. And, yeah. and, and you call your business unconditional ADHD coaching. Yeah. So I assume that means it's not conditioned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's exactly what I named it for. It was just unconditional acceptance of each client exactly where they are. Yeah. So some people do come to coaching like my, and they say like, my life is falling apart. And some people are like way on the other end. And they're like, I'm doing, I'm doing okay, but I would like to see if some things could be easier, or I would like to have this in place just in case. And like most people are somewhere in between, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's, yeah, that's exactly what I named it for. Beautiful. I love it. And you're, you're also strength-based and you want to allow people's strengths to lead their their strategies. Um, you said something like that in your, in the write-up and I, I wanted you to expand upon it. Yeah, absolutely. I, my goal is for each of my clients and for myself and every, every person in the world to figure out what we're good at, where our strengths are. And I shouldn't even have said what we're good at. Like we don't have to be good at a thing, what our strengths are, um, and use that to leverage just existing and functioning in the world and interacting with other people. We get enough feedback about how bad we are at things as neurodivergent people, as queer people. Um, And it's a lot more empowering and just a lot more effective. And it's easier if you know where your strengths are and you build your life based on that. Mm -hmm. 
Have you ever had the kind of like the reviews that work, like the performance reviews where they're like, you're good at these things, but now we're going to talk about the things you're terrible at and how you can improve that. Because we all have like unlimited executive function, right? And we can just be good at everything and how frustrating and like disempowering that. Uh, Yeah, I have experienced that. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. Anytime you say something that brings anxiety, my throat closes up. Oh, no. (laughs) That's my own embodied emotions. Yeah. I apologize. Um, but that brings me to RSD. Mm-hmm. I would get an evaluation and focus on the one. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. Common in the ADHD community to have that yeah. rejection <clears throat> sensitivity. Yeah. And then I, I, I always notice the, like that inevitable experience of like, okay, you, you said I need to improve this thing. So I will. And I would work and it would, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even take like the normal amount of work. It takes like extra work to get high scores on something you're terrible at. Right. So I would improve at something. And then at the next review, they'd be like, well, you did better, but the thing you're usually good at, you sucked at it this time. And I was like, I know I only have 100% effort to give. Like I can't increase that. <laughs> right. You can only do. And even if you didn't give it hundred percent, you gave it what you could. That yes. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you have on on any given day is hundred percent. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my goal is like to not do that to my clients and not be like, let's improve these (laughs) things that you, that, you know, you're, you're always going to be stressed and have grief around. Like we can, we can grieve those things and just do them good enough, whatever you can do. Good enough. I love it. I love it. Well, I love your style. I love (laughs) your, your energy. Um, I'm, I'm slightly embarrassed, but also really, um, really pleased and, um, with, cause I know, I know my body <clears throat> and I know that when I bring up truths and vulnerabilities, it goes right I, to my throat mm-hmm. chakra where I get tight. Like I'm speaking my truth. Oh shit. I'm speaking my truth. My throat's getting closed and now it's, now I can't talk and now I have to cough and now I can't swallow. Um, which just means that that you in your gentle brilliance uh, is allowing me the safe space to accept some truths about myself that I, that I maybe hadn't thought of in a while or certainly hadn't expressed out loud. So I appreciate your, um, your coaching, uh, your presence here, your, your friendship. Um, Cause I know that's what's happening and why I'm coughing Thank and, you. and Thank now you crying so because of coughing. So much. <clears throat> You know, it's funny. I have my throat chakra stone. No way. You're holding a throat chakra stone. Yeah. That's okay. Well, you brought the magic. (laughs) I was not expecting to uh, release throat chakra stuff today, but go figure. That is what needed to happen. Um, So obviously Lou is a brilliant coach. So if people wanted to reach you and follow you, Lou, how could they do that? So you can visit my website. It is unconditional-coaching.com. I am on Instagram, unconditional underscore ADHD underscore coaching. Facebook, unconditional ADHD coaching. And then I do have a workshop that is starting up um, Thursday, December 15th. And that is going to be a four-week like focused coaching experience around imposter syndrome. Excellent. And then you were also going to leave a link about Club Q and fundraising. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I am going to um, provide you with a link that you can put in the show notes. And that will be for um, some fundraising efforts for um, victims, families, and survivors of the shooting at Club Q. 
and um, and I'll be careful to provide uh, links to fundraisers that that have been like vetted. Oh, by the thank you. Involved. Yeah, yeah. I will include all of uh, Lou's links uh, in the show notes, and um, I'm so glad we were able to talk today, Lou. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Pasha. Good to see your face. Thank you. Thank you. And for those out there uh, listening in the new year, uh, starting in January, I'm starting what I'm calling neuro community. But rather than doing uh, my normal seven or eight week coaching sessions, I'm just going to do the whole stinking year. I'm just going to be like, have the year. We're going to meet every Monday so that there's consistency and continuity and really deep community building. So uh, I wanted to make everybody aware of that. I'm also actually doing a live retreat too. It's a, it's a women's retreat here in Maine. I know Maine is very far away from a lot of you, but um, it's in Freeport, Maine. And uh, we're going to talk about, it's a, it's a a Huga. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. H-Y-G-G-E. It's a Swedish word for cozy. And I'm just thinking, oh, we're going to get cozy and we're going to do yoga and journaling and talking and we're going to burn stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love like the cozy and burning stuff down is that's my jam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Burn whatever uh, no, no, no longer serves us well. <clears throat> so, yes. Um, well, such a pleasure, Lou. And I look forward to seeing you and talking with you again. And thank you, everyone out there for neuroqueering with us today. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Before you go, I have a favor to ask. Please subscribe to this podcast. That way you won't miss an episode and it'll help me bring it to folks who need it most. Fellow ADHD minds out there, I know you're going to forget. I would too. So let's push that button now and subscribe. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bonus points if you spread the word of the NeuroQueering podcast by sharing it or reviewing it. Thank you. Also, if you want to see more of me, please follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Neuroqueer Coach. Sign up for coaching at poshamarlo.com or to guest on my show or leave feedback, email at pasha at neuroqueering.com. Thanks all. Happy Neuroqueering. Enjoy your day.